For those of you that are joining us online, a warm welcome to you. If you're ever in our area, please do come and check out the church. We'd love to meet you and uh, get to know you. Church, can we put our hands together for those joining us for the first time? So this morning, as I said, I just want to talk about Jesus. And, and, I, and I want to talk about him because sometimes I think he gets a bad rap. Sometimes I think he's misunderstood. In fact, sometimes I think the whole Christian walk is misunderstood. I, I know before I became a Christian, kind of we know I was on the outside. We shouldn't even call it the outside. They're just people on their way in. Amen. Uh, I, I used to look at the church and go, mate, full of hypocrites. Full of hypocrites, because I, I knew some of them outside of the church, and I, and, and I knew what they were kind of trying to be on the inside of the church, and I had this understanding that church, Christianity, Jesus, all that stuff, it was just about, I don't know, being good, doing the right thing. It was just about rules and regulations. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. It's like, you've got to be a good boy. That's, that's what I was like. It's like, come to church to be a good boy. Can I just say, I don't think there's one guy sitting in this room today following Jesus and that he's following him to be a good boy. Amen. Can I get an amen from my brothers? They're here because Jesus has changed their life. They're, they're here because they're wanting to make a difference in the world. They want to see the kingdom of God invading the kingdom of darkness. They want to see life change and people set free. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people talk about Jesus as this meek, mild lamb. You know, Jesus, the one who's turned the other cheek. And, and I think sometimes we misunderstand Jesus. I think sometimes because of the cultural differences, the time that it was when Jesus was walking the earth and now, sometimes we misunderstand Jesus because uh, I don't know that Jesus was necessarily this meek and mild lamb. And in John, uh, John 2, there's, a, there's a, an account of Jesus his coming to the temple. And as he's coming to the temple, what's, what's happening in the temple is there's, there's money changes in there. They're selling livestock for, for sacrifices, all this sort of thing. And Jesus is a little upset because he's like, this is my father's house. It's like not to be a place of business. It's to be a place of prayer and all this. And so Jesus is a little upset. And the Bible says, this meek, mild lamb, the Bible says, this meek, mild lamb, Jesus, he sat down and he made himself a whip. And he went into that temple with this whip and he started whipping people. He's, well, I don't know if he whipped people, but he was whipping and he was kicking over tables. He was scattering money everywhere. There were livestock going crazy. I don't know if you've ever seen livestock when they start panicking, but everything lets loose and they're everywhere. So you can imagine this mess. This is Jesus. See, he was anti-establishment. He was in-your-face Pharisees. Jesus used to push the boundaries of the law time and time again. He'd heal on the Sabbath just to go in-your-face Pharisees. He wasn't about rules and regulations. Jesus was about something completely different. He was about relationship. He was all about relationship, and I'm going to give you some points today. If you like taking notes, you can follow along. Point one is simply this. Jesus is about relationship, not rules. See, I think over time, sometimes we lose sight of the main thing. Sometimes I think we can get a little off track, a little sidetracked. 
And there's, a, there's an account in, in the book of John, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. If, you, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there and we'll, we'll go through it. We're going to do the NIV version this morning, the Neil International version. We're just going to, I'm kind of going to ad-lib it a little bit. But what happens is Jesus, again, is coming up to Jerusalem. And he's coming by this place called the Sheep Gate. And by the Sheep Gate, there's a pool. And this pool is called Bethesda. And, and it's known as the pool of mercy. Because what, what happens is, is every now and again, this pool, the water will start churning up. It starts churning up. And people who are, are sick and injured, lame, all that, they're sitting around the pool. And what happens is when the water's stirred up, the first person in, first one in, gets healed. And, and so this place, the Bible says there's like five big um, like porches that come out. So literally, there are hundreds and hundreds of people sitting around this pool just waiting for the water to be stirred up because the first one to come in is healed. Now, if you are got your Bible with you this morning, some of you will notice verse 4 is missing in this piece of Scripture for you. Some will have it, but some of you it'll be missing. Now, that's not a typo. They didn't kind of miss four. They went from three to five. The reason that verse four is missing in some of your Bibles is simply because the very first translations of the Bible, all it talked about was this water churning up and people getting healed. But what everybody believed and what everybody knew was that the reason that this water was getting churned up was that the angel of God would come and begin to churn up the water. The historians, when you look at Tertullian and those sort of guys who wrote around that time back in the first century, they actually wrote about this pool and how the water would be churned up from the angel of God. So everybody who, who was coming to this pool went with this understanding. I'm going to this pool because the angel of God's going to come and heal me. And so what's happening is Jesus is walking up to this pool one day. So remember, there's, there's hundreds of people all around the place. And there's one particular guy, lame guy sitting there. And Jesus comes up to him and he says, why are you here? Do you want to be healed? And I'm like, I look at that and I'm like, come on, Jesus, serious? Like, like you mean to know everything. Like, like, really, this is the best you can come up with. Like, there's like 300 people here all waiting to get in the pool. And you're like, do you want to be healed? I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's such an obvious question. Of course he's there to get healed. Why wouldn't he be there? This guy's response kind of amazes me. Because you think about it. If Jesus is asking you, why are you here? Do you want to be healed? Like, it's simple. It's like, oh, hello, yes, Jesus, I'd, I'd like to be healed now. But this guy says something quite different. In verse 7, he says this. He says, I can't be healed. I can't be healed because I can't get anybody to carry me into the pool. I, I can't get to the pool in time. Everybody else gets in the pool before I get in the pool. He says, Jesus, I can't be healed. I need someone to carry me. See, life has a way sometimes of getting us off track. We, we, we start missing the main point. We start missing the main thing. As we face trials and disappointment, as we take on others' opinions, trends, all those sort of things, over time, we can lose sight of what's most important. See, for this guy... The Bible says he's been sick for 38 years. Now, we don't know if he's been sitting there the whole 38 years, but Jesus says he's been there a long time. 
See, he came to that place believing the angel of God was going to come and he was going to get healed. He was so focused on the angel of God and being healed. But over time, after disappointment and disappointment, He's missed the whole point. What's he focused on now? He's focused on what he needs to do. I need to get somebody to carry me to the pool. I need to get somebody to help me to get to Jesus. I I, I need to get there early. If I get there early, maybe I'll get in the pool. See, his whole focus has shifted off the main thing. And now it's all about what I need to do. I need to do this. I need to do that. It's become about him and what he needs to do. He's become so focused on what he needs to do that he's oblivious, totally oblivious to the very fact that the source of his healing is standing right in front of him. It's right in front of him. And he's all about, I need to do this. I need to do that. I think, if I'm honest, many of us can be like this guy. We, we, we start off so well. We're, we're all about Jesus. We've had an encounter and we're, we're following Jesus. But over time, after disappointment and disappointment, we start to lose sight of the main thing and we start to be all about, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I need to do that. For you of taking notes, point two is simply this. Over time, we lose sight of the main thing. I've got to be a good boy. <laughs> If, if I'm a Christian, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I, I've got to be good. I've got to follow all the rules. I, I need to read my Bible more. I need to, I need to pray more. I, I need to come to church more. Some of us have even given up on that. We're, we've tried reading the Bible. We've tried praying, but, but it's just been so hard that, that we've almost got to the point now where, where the Bible is just sitting on the shelf. I don't actually get it out. If I need an answer, I'll just Google it. Our prayer life has become, uh, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to our bodies in Jesus' name. We've lost sight of the main thing. We've lost sight of the very source. We've, We've lost the essence of what it's all about. Sure, we believe in Jesus. Yeah, we believe in Jesus. We gave our life to Jesus. But life's gone on and we've got to the point where Jesus is just an add-on now. Jesus has become the spare tire. He's in the boot, under the mat, under all the luggage. You know, if I get stuck, if I get a flatty, I'll, I'll, I'll get him out. I'll get Jesus out if I need him in an emergency. Jesus didn't die on a cross for that, friends. That's not Christianity. That's not discipleship. That's not following Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to live like that. He ain't the spear tire. He's not the spear tire, friend. He's the main thing. He's the very thing. He's the very essence of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. He's the very essence of what Christianity is. He's the heart of the church. He's the rock. Just saying. Told you I'd get excited. Where are you at today? Seriously, if, if Jesus came in here like he did with the man in the pool, sat down beside you, friend, and asked you that very question, why are you here? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be set free? What, what would our response be? Would we be, yes, Jesus, we're, we're about the main thing, or... 
would be, oh, I, I need to do this, I, I need to do that, I, I need to do that. Just asking. <laughs> I was listening to a guy last week. Uh, he, he mentors Christian guys. He's a, he runs a ministry of mentoring Christian men. And, and he was talking about it, and he was saying, by and large, with, actually without, um, you know, guys fall into two categories. Is, is guy one or guy two? And he says, typically what happens is a, a guy will come in, you know, for a mentoring meeting and that sort of thing. And, and guy one comes in and he's kind of like, you know, he'll ask him, you know, how things going? How's, how's your walk and all that? And guy one response is typically along these lines. Well, you know, I'm trying. I'm, I'm, I'm working at it, but hard going. I, I, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to do all the right stuff, but mate, I'm just struggling. I'm, I'm not seeing breakthrough. I'm not, you know, I hear about this Christian life and it's great, but mate, that's not my experience. Like, like I'm opening the Bible, but I don't get it. Like, like seriously, it, it's boring. In fact, I, I even fell asleep last night reading it. How's your, how's your prayer life going? I, mate, I don't, I don't know what to pray. Like, seriously, 20 seconds, I'm done. What do you pray? I don't know what to pray. See, he's coming to church occasionally, but the gap's getting bigger and bigger between the, the sessions. See, he's trying to do the right things. He loves Jesus. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to be about Jesus. But he's doing, he, he's doing the, the, the prayer life, and, the, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm trying, but it's dry. It's dead. I'm not getting anything out of it. And then he says, but guy two, this is the typical other guy that comes in and same question, how are you doing? Mate, flip, I opened the Bible up and I, I was reading and the scripture just jumped out of me. Like God speaking to me, I can see so clearly. It's about my life at work and God speaking to me out of the Bible. Mate, I can't put it down. Like I open the page and it's just like overload. It's like mass download. How's your prayer life going? Oh, me and Jesus, mate. It's like he walks side by side like I'm so close. He's just always speaking to me. He's coming to church every Sunday. In fact, he's doing both services, man. And he's serving and he's, he's loving it. He does exactly the same as what guy one's doing. He's reading his Bible. He's, he's coming to church. He's praying. But he's getting way different results. And the guy that was doing this mentoring, he, he says, have you ever wondered, like, why is that? Like, what is the difference? These guys are doing the same thing, yet getting totally different results. Why is that? And can I just say, I don't think it's just guys. I, I think we can look at this across the board. Sorry, ladies, I'm including you in this now as well. Why is guy one or group one struggling Guy two, group two, they're just full of life. This is where it starts to come a little personal now. This is what we call application. See, for you, you're either guy one or guy two. You're either group one or group two. Some of you, as I was speaking, you know, it's like, mate, I'm guy one. I'm, I'm group one. That's, that's me. I'm, I'm struggling. My, my prayer life, man, it's quiet in here. <laughs> My prayer life, it's just not what it used to be. So you're trying to do all the right stuff. You're trying to do all the right reasons, but, but there's no life in it. 
There's no life in it at all. Jesus doesn't want us to live like that. Jesus' plan for your life is not to live as guy one or in group one. Jesus' plan for your life, Jesus' desire for your life is to live as the guy two, as the group two. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and an abundance. Life plus, life supersize, life on, I won't say that. Life just going, you know, it's full on. So the million dollar question, of course, is, Okay, what if I'm guy one? What if I'm in group one? How do I get to be in group two? Great question. Please, you ask that. I'll, I'll tell you. See, guy one's fallen into the trap that I have to do this stuff to be accepted by God. To, to be a Christian, to be a follower, I, I gotta be a good boy. I gotta read my Bible. I gotta do all these things. In Jesus' day, it was like, if I don't follow these festivals, God won't accept of me. If I don't follow all the laws, God won't accept me. If, if I don't read my Bible, he won't accept me. If I don't pray for X minutes a day, God's going to be unhappy with me. We start to look at him, we like have to jump through all these hoops to get God to like me, to accept me. Now, it may not be conscious, it may not be, I mean, I'm thinking that all day long, but subconsciously, it's lying there. You get to the end of the day, and there's this little voice, man, you didn't read your Bible enough. Or you're talking in Christian circles, and you don't want anybody to bring up, hey, how much do you read your Bible? Because you don't want to say. Why? Because it's come about you doing this. I need to do this. I need to do that. Jesus didn't come to make you have to do this and have to. He came to set you free. He came to set the captives free. Here's a way different life for you. That's not Christianity, friend. That's bondage. That's law. And I want to break that off somebody's life today. Hallelujah. I'm getting excited. What happens when you live like that is it all becomes work. It all becomes a job. It all becomes judgery. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to read my Bible. I've got to pray. Friend, that's not what Jesus is about. He's about relationships, not rules. Amen? See, guy two does all the same things guy one does, but there's a huge difference. He knows he's already accepted by God because of Christ, because of what Christ has done. He's in Christ. He knows he doesn't have to impress God. He knows God's happy with him. He knows God's accepting him because he's walking in freedom in Christ. See, guy too, his focus is simply the main thing. All his focus is, is I want to love Jesus and I want to know Jesus more. That's all he's about. I just want to love Jesus and know Jesus. See, God's love for you isn't dependent on who you are or what you're doing or not doing. God's love is dependent on who he is. He is love. He loves you. He accepts you. Whether you read your Bible or not, friend, God loves you. He's pleased with you and he accepts you. And he has way more for you. It's all about love. Jesus Love and relationships, not rules and regulations. See, guy two gets way different results from guy one simply because his motivation is entirely, entirely different from guy number one. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, we'll look at some scripture. John 14, 15. This is Jesus speaking. And uh, Jesus says this in verse 15. 
He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, hear me here. Jesus isn't saying, if you love me, you better keep my commandments. Jesus isn't saying, if you love me, then you need to keep my commandments. What Jesus is saying is, if you love me, if you just want to follow after me, then you'll keep my commandments. See, they're an outflow. They're an overflow. It's not like, do this. If you love me, you have to do that. No, no, Jesus is saying, if you love me, if you would just follow me, if you would just focus on me, then as a result, you will keep my commandments because it's who I am and it's what I'm about. And if you just focus on me, all this will come into place. It's not about you have to do this and you have to do that. It's just love Jesus. Just follow Jesus and everything else will come to pass. This, uh, what are we, 16 to 20, Jesus starts talking about the Holy Spirit and sending the Holy Spirit. We're going to jump over there. I don't, I don't want to cover that today. We're going to go to verse 21. Jesus, again, he's speaking. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Who's he talking about? He's talking about guy too. Guy too. Those being filled by me, empowered by me, that, that fire hose ministry where Jesus is just downloading everything into their life, they're like that because they love Jesus. See, the difference with guy too is he just loves Jesus. And as a result, his life is very different. His outcome is very different. His fruit is very different to guy one because his focus is simply on loving Jesus and following Jesus. He's not caught up in, oh man, I've got to do this and oh, I didn't do this enough today and, and I'm all about this. No, no, he's like, mate, all I want to do is just follow Jesus. All I want to do is just love Jesus and everything flows out of that. All the spiritual disciplines, all that, all flows out of Jesus, loving Jesus. It gets better. Verse 21 continues, and Jesus says, if you love me, the Father will love you. So not only do we just love Jesus and we get all the fruit, God, the Father, loves us as well. It's an added bonus. It's awesome. And then for me, verse 21, the end, this is the game changer, friends. Like if you don't get anything else today, get this, all right? Verse 21, Jesus is carrying on, talking about people who love him. And he says, and I will disclose myself to him. Other versions say, I will reveal myself. I will manifest myself. I will show myself. I will make myself known. What Jesus is saying is if you would just love me, if you would just focus on me, if you would just follow after me, I will make myself known to you. You don't need to find me. You don't need to get in the book. I'll reveal myself to you. All of a sudden, you just be opening the book and I'll be there. I'll be jumping out at you. You'll be walking down the street and I'll start speaking to you. Why? Because you're just focused on loving me. You're just focused on following me. You just, you just want more of me. You just want the love of God. That's the difference. Guy one is just about, I need to, I need to, I want to be a good boy. I'm trying, he's trying, it's great, awesome. But he's going through the motions. It works, it's dead works. Jesus is like, no, no, just fix your eyes on me. Jim Rowan says this, he says, life doesn't get better by chance, it gets better by change. If you keep doing the same thing you're doing, you're going to get the same thing you've always got. Some of us need to change today. Some of us need to stop doing stuff out of, out of obedience, and I have to, and I need to, and we need to just come back to Jesus and get a hold of the truth, get a hold of the main thing. Amen? Yeah. Point four for you uh, who are keeping notes is this. Loving Jesus 
is the game changer. It changes everything. If you just focus on loving Jesus, the gospel's simple. We complicate it so much. Jesus just says, come and follow me. Just love me. Just focus on following me. I mean, look at it. Look at the disciples, okay? Jesus calls the disciples to him. And, and I mean, let's be honest. If you've read the Bible, you know, they muck up quite a bit. I like, like, really, they don't even know what's going on. They, they really don't have a clue. But what they were all about was following Jesus, They were just about loving Jesus. They were just about following Jesus. And for Jesus, that was enough. That's all he needed from them. In fact, he decided, I'll change the whole world with those that love me. That's all I need. I just need you to love me. If you just love me, then I'll use you to change the world. But we saw, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. Jesus like, mate, come on. Just love me. See, the flip side of it all, is if you're doing any of this for any other reason than loving Jesus and following Jesus, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be dry. Because he says, I reveal myself to those that love me. If you're just in this for behavior and being a good boyfriend, I'm telling you now, he ain't going to reveal himself. You need to just shift your focus. You need to just begin loving him and focusing him. And he promises, I will reveal myself to you. That's worth coming for. If you're reading the Bible and it's dry, if you're struggling to get to church on a Sunday, if, if your prayer life is non-existent, friend, maybe you've become like the guy at the pool. Maybe your focus has shifted. Maybe it's now just come about all the stuff I've got to do rather than just coming back and fixing your eyes on the source of it all, Jesus. I just want to love Jesus. If you can do that, I believe God will just begin to unpack stuff. Your prayer life will just begin, because Jesus will do it. It's not about you doing it. You just focus on loving him and knowing him, and he'll do the rest. It's like Jesus says, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches, and you will bear much fruit. Guess what? It's not your fruit. It's Jesus's fruit. Our job is just to stay connected to the vine. That's all our job is. Just love the vine, connect with the vine, stay with the vine. And when you do that, when you just tap into Jesus, when it's all about just tapping into Jesus, he says, I'll bear much fruit through you. It's not about you having to do this and doing that. Just abide, just love, just follow him. And he does the rest. Amen. I feel like I'm laboring that point a bit, but I want you to get it. Uh, Okay, point five, last, last point. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. Hello. Revelation's a very symbolic book. It's, uh, it's got lots of stuff in it. So again, we'll do the NIV, the Neil International Version. I'll just unpack uh, the main points. If you have your Bibles, Revelation 2, and we're going to pick it up uh, in verse 1. So the situation is this. Uh, John, the Apostle John's been exiled to the island of Patmos. He, he was all about preaching the gospel, and they exiled him onto this island. And so he's on this island, and he's praying, and, and, the, and the Bible says he was kind of taken up in the Spirit, and, and he had an encounter with Jesus in the Spirit. And Jesus says to John, he says, I want you to write to the seven churches. So these are seven real churches. And Jesus says, I want you to dictate this. Like John was Jesus' PA. John's just dictating. Uh, Jesus is dictating and John's writing down. 
And so in this verse, um, Jesus is speaking to the church at Ephesus. And it's relevant because it talks about what we're talking about today. And so what happens, Jesus, in the book of uh, Ephesus, uh, sorry, Revelation, verses 1 to 3, Jesus is pretty much just saying to the church, hey, you guys have done awesome. You know, you've persevered, you've prevailed, you've done great works. He's like, you know, I see all the works you've done. You've done all great works. And, and, and kind of you were that church, you'd be like, yeah, come on, we're doing good. We're rocking it. You know, we're doing good works. And you see, on the outside, it all looked good. But on the inside, it was a little different. And maybe that's a word for some of us today. On the outside, it's all looking good. But if we're honest, on the inside, it ain't so flash. See, Jesus says to them, I love your works that you're doing. It's, it's great you've done all these works. But then in verse 4, he says this, but I have this against you. How, how many know if Jesus is talking to you and Jesus goes, uh, but, you'd kind of go, oh, no. Oh, no. He says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. What Jesus was saying to the church is, you've, you've lost what you were all about. You've, you've lost the very essence of what it's all about. See, when they started, all they were about was Jesus and following Jesus and preaching the good news. It was all about Jesus. But what happened over time is they started to get about all these good work. I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. Come on, guys. All that's good. But it's not the main thing. It's not the important thing. You need to come back to your first love. You need to come back to loving me and focusing on me. He says, remember in verse 5, therefore from where you're fallen. What he's saying to them is, remember what it was like when you walked with me. Remember what it was like when you had relationship with me. Remember what it was like in the middle of worship when the presence of God comes. He goes, remember what it's like to be a Christian. Remember what it's like to be a follower. Intimate downloads. Guy too. He's like, remember that. Remember what that used to be like. And he says, repent and do the works you did at first again. Repent simply means turn away. Turn around. Stop doing all the dead stuff. Stop doing all the work. Stop doing, I need to. I better. I better be a good boy. I need to do this. He's like, stop it. And turn back. Repent. Turn back to the first works. What were the first works? Just loving Jesus. Just being focused on Jesus. He wrote that to a whole church. And then he says something. I was going to leave this out, but I was like, no, no, it's there. He says to them, if you don't repent, if you don't change, if you don't get this and change, he says, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to take your lampstand. You're like, what? I don't even have a lampstand. <laughs> so, so again, remember I was saying Revelation's kind of really symbolic. And remember Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He says, you are the light. You've come to bring influence. You've come to bring the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. That's what he's talking about, light. You're a lampstand. You're a light. You're coming to bring the kingdom. But what he says is, if you don't repent, friends, if you keep being about all your works and you don't come to being all about me, then I'm going to take that light from you. That light's going to get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And friends, some of you here today, your light's pretty dim. How do we know that? Because the Bible's dead. My prayer life's dead. 
Jesus doesn't want us to stay in that place. That's why the scripture's here. He's highlighting it because he's like, I don't want you to live like this. I want you to be free. I want to heal you. I want to take you out of that place of bondage and bring you into a place of life. See, what happens if you just continue being about the works is you just end up a mediocre Christian life that's, frankly, dead. (laughs) There's no life in it. Jesus came to give us life and an abundance. If we're honest, if we care to admit it, many of us are guy one. It's like, mate, pastor, truth is I'm guy one. As I'm standing here talking, you're, you're sitting there going, mate, I'm guy one. Holy, I'm guy one. See, Jesus wrote to a whole church about this very issue because he knew it was such a huge issue. See, the enemy would have you hold on to that, keep that in the dark because he knows he's got you caught up in bondage when, when you're like, you're hiding it going, oh man, I, I don't want people to know I'm not praying. I don't want people to know I'm not reading the Bible. See, when the enemy, you keep that in the dark, the enemy has power over you. He'll hold you. He'll keep you down because you think I'm not good enough to be used from God because I can't even read my Bible. But I've come today to break that off your life. Because Jesus is calling you out of the darkness and he's calling you into the light. And it's a game changer. If you would just get hold of, just start loving Jesus. I see too many guys falling away, getting taken out because they start off so well, but it just comes about doing the stuff. Jesus like, I never came to be about the stuff. I came to be about me. It's about me. I'm the life. Start focusing on me. Make it all about me. Jesus gives us the recipe, if you like, how to get from being guy one to being guy two. It's the three R's of recovery. We've already talked about it. We saw it in Revelation. I'm going to give them to you. So if you are guy one or you're group one, I want you to leave here knowing what you need to do to break that off your life and come into the fullness of what Jesus has for you. Number one is simply this. Remember. Remember what it was like when you first met Jesus. Remember what it was like when you encountered it. Remember what it was like in the middle of worship when He spoke to you and He touched you. Number two, repent. Repent from what you're doing now. Friend, if you're reading your Bible just to, I need to, I I want God to like me, I'm going to read it. Stop reading your Bible. Man, I can't believe that. A pastor just told me to stop reading my Bible. You can write to Pastor Adam about that. Neil, he's preaching heresy. No, no, no. If you're reading it for the wrong reason, friend, it's just dead works. See, if you're reading it for the right reason, you can't stop reading it because Jesus is just causing you to read it. But if you're doing it all for the wrong reason, stop doing it. Repent, turn away from that. And do what? Well, Jesus says, number three, repeat. Repeat what you did in the very beginning. Just come about loving me and worshiping me and being about me because I will take care of everything else. I was going to say something was really good, but it's gone out of my head. Jesus doesn't want you to say as group friend, group one friend, 
He wants to move you to group two. He, he wants you to walk a Christian life that's full of life and abundance. And the enemy has tried to keep you in the dark so long. He's, he's bond, he's, you're in bondage about this whole stuff. I need to do this. Oh, I better do this. If people knew that I wasn't doing that, would I be accepted? Or would God accept me? Would He love me? God loves you regardless, and He wants to set you free this morning from that place. Can we just bow our heads and close our eyes? I, I, I really do feel, I, I just really want to pray for this, that there are people here today. You are. You're group one. You, you know. Your guy won. You're struggling. Your walk's dry. It's just lost life. And there are heaps of you here. There are heaps in the other service. And I know that because Jesus wrote to a whole church. He wrote to a whole church. That's how big the issue was. But we're going to break it this morning. We're going to break it off in Jesus' name. So in a moment, what I want you to do, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you know you're you're guy one, you're group one, just lift your hand up nice and high where it is. And I'm going to pray for people. Just come on. Thank you. Hands coming up. Don't, friends, don't hold back. I, I really do this believe this is quite a spiritual hold God has on this church. And we want to break it. Thank you. Hands up everywhere. I'm just going to give you one more moment. You know, you're like, man, my walk's dry. I'm struggling. Just lift your hand nice and high where it is right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can place those hands down. I'm going to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you that your word has power. God, it accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. And we know, God, that you're wanting to set people free this morning. So I pray in the name of Jesus for every single person that put their hand up and every single person that didn't put their hand up but knows that group one, I pray that this week, God, you'd bring revelation into their life. God, I, I, I break the chains of bondage over them. I, I break off the lies. I, I, I just break off that, oh, that, that captive mindset. And I speak life over them in Jesus' name. God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, this week you would reveal truth to them. God, that they would come to know you in a greater way, that they would see you as you truly are, that the Bible would come alive, that their prayer life would come alive, that as they begin to walk with you, you'd begin to speak to them, bring revelation and breakthrough into areas where they're needing it. In Jesus' name. Just look up here for a minute. If, if you... If that's a real struggle for you, if, you, if you're caught up in that bond and you're just doing all the stuff, what I want you to do is stop doing that stuff out of road. Stop doing it out of legalism. Stop doing all that stuff and just spend the next 30 days. All I want you to do is focus on Jesus. I just want you to get up in the morning and go, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, help me to, to love you more. Just focus on loving Him. Stop doing stuff. Just start focusing on Him. And I promise you what will happen as you begin to focus on Him, fruit will start appearing in your life. You'll be like, how I flipped at that? I, 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 I was in bondage to that. I've been set free. Why? Because you're focusing on Jesus. Can we bow our heads one more time? Because I like seeing the tops of your heads. Nah. I just want to give up an opportunity before we close this morning that maybe you've come in here and, and you're on a journey. You're trying to work out this whole God thing and how it all works. But friend, you've never made a decision to accept Jesus into your life as your Lord and your Saviour. 
Well, that can change today, friend. You can, you can ask Him into your life and He'll begin to reveal Himself to you and start to bring you into the fullness of life that He has for you. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer is simply just asking Jesus to come into our lives. If you want to be included in that prayer, you're like, yeah, Pastor, I, I, want, to, I want to get right with God today. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I'm going to ask you in a moment just to lift up your hand to acknowledge, yes, include me in that prayer. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come up the front. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you and with you. We'll pray it all together. So if that's you today, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Can you just pop up your hand and say, yeah, pastor, that's me. I I need to get right with God today. I, I feel Him calling me. I need to get right with Jesus today. Thank you for that hand down the, down the back there, over the side. Anybody else? I just, you know, you, you're just sensing it. Or maybe you've actually fallen away. Like your prayer life is, and, and your Bible, it's got so dry. You, you actually wonder, man, where am I with God? If that's you as well, you've fallen away. Friend, just pop up your hand and say, man, that's me, Pastor. I need a comeback. I, I need a comeback. Thank you for that hand over there down the front. All right, we can pop our hands down. I want us to pray and pray this all together. Jesus, I thank you that you are the main thing, that you're the everything. Today, I hear your voice. I turn away from all I know to be wrong. And I turn to you. I ask you, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Save me. Set me free. In Jesus' name. Amen.